This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein, and unfortunately, we don't have any huge ESPN analyst special guests uh, for you this week, but you still get to listen to us talk about the <laughs> Packers and the Vikings, which we hope is, you know, still still something you'll enjoy. So, Perry, how you doing? Good. I was actually just thinking that it's been a while since it was just me and you. It's kind of nice. As much as we love, of course, having guests on, because I feel like we learn so much every time we have someone on, but this is, it's the OGs today. <laughs> the OGs of PAX, which she said, um, talking Packers, Vikings. And yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of interesting. I put on Twitter a couple days ago, just the fact that we've seen so many road games for the Packers so early that now they're really coming off of a long road stretch. This will be seventh for them, the seventh away game. Um, and they have nine this season. So they really have a, a kind of stacked back half at home at Lambeau when the temperatures start to freeze in the, fo- in the frozen tundra, which is wonderful. Yeah, I was saying actually yesterday, I recorded the Pack-A-Day video with Rachel Hotmeyer for Andy Herman because he's on vacation. And we were talking about how it feels like Packers football really starts like after Thanksgiving because schedulers love to have their home games for like the later half in the season. And so it's like real snowy, like OG Packers football um, where everyone has to come up to Lambeau and I'm sorry for them. I love that you have dropped OG twice now know, in like sorry. the first two, three <laughs> minutes of the recording. No, I like it. Am um, I wrong though? No, you're not. I mean, I, I love it when it's cold. When when the Seattle, you know, I was at the Seattle game, obviously, and just seeing pictures of it ahead of time, I'm like, okay, but the snow is going to stop before the game. The fact that it was like kind of flurrying pretty much the entire game, just it changes the entire atmosphere. And I think, you know, the players really feed into it too. Like I know they teased Eric Stokes on defense saying this wasn't a snow game yet because there wasn't snow on the ground. Like you weren't running through it, but I think the players feed into it as much as they might joke that they hate being cold. And, you know, it's a mentality once you get out there that it's your turf and, you know, you can tolerate the conditions I think better than anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I feel like it, feeds into this idea of like this is our home field like you can't come up here and beat us at home we're the only ones that know how to play in this weather Um, but this week they travel to an indoor stadium in Minnesota where the playing field is a little bit more even Um, fans are back in the stands and from all accounts I hear that um, the Vikings stadium is quite loud so the Packers will have that to contend with on Sunday. 
Uh, yeah, I'm just not ready to hear that stupid fucking horn every time something happens um, on the on the broadcast. I also don't remember if Pax, what she said, is branded as clean on Apple Podcasts. So very sorry. <laughs> we, yeah. we, might have to, we might have to change the tag. You can just bleep that out, Meg. Um, um, yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting matchup. Um, for the past couple of weeks, I've gone into games feeling fairly confident the Packers can walk away with a win. And while I still feel that way against the Vikings, I think this is actually going to be a much tougher game than one would hope. The Vikings have been playing games really tough in the last couple of weeks. They've dropped a few, but they've all been very close. I mean, gone into overtime um, more times than I think any other team Three so times. far this season. Yeah. Um, and they're... They're fighting for these wins. And I think especially when it comes to a division rival, a true foe, I mean, the Vikings and Packers hate each other. And that rivalry has really skyrocketed over the last couple of seasons. They're going to say, yeah, we want to drop. We want the Packers to drop this game. Like we want to kind of ruin their playoff seeding chances. Like that's, I'm sure, the mentality that they're going into. Not to mention, right, they are also fighting for a wild card spot. It's still within their reach. So every win matters. And against not just a division rival, but just anyone in the NFC, it's going to help the Vikings chances in that. Yeah. I mean, there's the Packers, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, the Buccaneers and the Rams really feel like the top five. Those are kind of undisputed. I think everybody would agree that those are right now the top teams and likely will be the top teams, but then you've got two, more wild card spots that are just kind of open for grabs. You've got the Saints kind of in contention. The Falcons dropped an ugly one uh, to the Patriots, so they might be losing their chances. But you've got the Panthers, the Vikings are right in there. Even the Bears, I guess, statistically, if they turn things around, are kind of vying for that spot. So it's really anybody's game once you get past that top five, and the Vikings absolutely have been known, I think they did it last season, to start slow and get hot and kind of wiggle their way into the playoffs, even though they didn't make the playoffs last year, which was great. <laughs> yeah, and it's not, I think, to be understated, Kirk Cousins is playing really well right now. Really um, well. Yeah, I mean, on the season, he has a little under 2,500 yards, 18 touchdowns to two interceptions, um, and 104 passer rating. So he's playing, like, his probably best brand of football right now, and it's going to be – I know that the Packers' defense have gone up against some of the best quarterbacks in the league in the last couple of weeks – but this is just another one of those where they are actually going up against one of the top quarterbacks as hard as it is to say about Kirk Cousins right now. And I know that he can be fluky and up and down, but right now he's consistently playing very good football. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know if there's really anything to like analyze here, but I'm just curious, kind of your thoughts. You know, we talked about this a little bit um, going into the recording, but the Vikings are weird at home this year. Like they're a much better road team and I'm sure they'll bring the juice on Sunday knowing that they're hosting a division rival, but they're averaging almost 30 points per game on the road. And then when they're home, they're averaging only 14.4 points per game. So I don't know if it's like, you know, the environments that they're playing in or the closeness of the games that they're in, but it just seems really weird to not be able to put up any points at home with your fans in the stands. That is very strange. Um, does bode well for the Packers defense who are holding opponents to, I think, an average of 18 points right now. So that's actually on par um, with what the Vikings are putting up at home. It's a very weird concept, though, to be a better road team than you are at home. Um, I'm, I'd be curious, like, what's been impacting that, if anything? 
Yeah, maybe they're just trying to get ready to be a wild card team and be on the road yeah. constantly. <laughs> constantly. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's let's dive into this this offensive matchup. Um, we can talk about Packers defense because they have yet to give up um, a 100 yard rusher this season, and Delvin Cook is arguably one of the best in the league. So. As far as the Vikings offense, they've got, you already mentioned Kirk Cousins. They've got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Um, the tight end position is kind of a toss up right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it feels insurmountable, I guess, or at least it would have felt insurmountable earlier in the season to think about stopping Delvin Cook. But then you look at the way the defense has been playing, especially against the run and their sure tackling. What goes into that? I mean, I think the front is playing really well, right? They're they're bullying offensive lines right now in both the pass game and the run game. And we have a duo right now of inside linebackers that are covering those gaps better than any inside linebackers the Packers have had in a long time. So, you know, even if running backs are getting past the defensive line, you've got Devondre Campbell and Chris Barnes right there, usually to make the tackle um, well before any significant yardage is gained. Yeah, I'm really excited, I think, too, to see Eric Stokes on Justin Jefferson. I'm assuming that'll be the matchup. Um, It seems like Kevin King is back practicing. I know he got a little bit banged up, um, that shoulder injury that he's been dealing with. But I think he'll be able to play. Russell Douglas has looked good. Um, But Jacob Westendorf, and I actually talked about that a little bit on Pack-A-Day, he said the key to stopping the Vikings is eliminating Delvin Cook. And I don't know if I agree with that. I think the Packers have been pretty good against the run all year. To me, it's what happens with Kirk Cousins, who's been playing really, really well, and those two wide receivers that we just mentioned. I think that you're both right. Like I think that when you mitigate a run game and you make an offense one-dimensional, it does become much easier to stop um, stop an offense. But I also agree that you know this team can absolutely beat you just running the ball through Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. So the well, I mean, both the line and you know the secondary are going to have to be on top of it. I agree. Eric Stokes on Justin Jefferson is going to be a really, really fun matchup. Eric Stokes actually talked about how in college, for the most part, he matched up against Jamar Chase and not Justin Jefferson when they played LSU. So this is going to be kind of a fun, like never got to do it before um, one-on-one for him. But by all accounts, Justin Jefferson is playing, I mean, Devontae Adams said it, right? Like a five-year vet and it's only his second season. So he's a serious weapon. I'd love to see what the Packers have been doing the last couple of games where they're rotating the secondary a little bit more and you're getting King, Rasul Douglas, Chandon Sullivan, Stokes, like all rotating in and out. Um, I fully expect with the, you know, plethora of weapons the Vikings have that Joe Barry will keep his usual base in nickel. Like he's been playing that way, um, against some of the better offenses and that makes more than enough sense to me. And then, you know, you have Savage and Amos kind of tying it up in the back end. This holiday season, I'm giving thanks to my friends at Manscaped. Do I tell my extended family that I bought my man the Performance Package 4.0 from the Global Leaders in Below the Waist Grooming? I am in love with their products, and his confidence has shot up since he started using them for all of his grooming needs. Gift your man Manscaped this holiday season so his tree stands taller, if you know what I mean. Help him join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with 20% off and free shipping with the code PWSS20 by going to manscaped.com. Think your holiday spread is good? It's time to give thanks to the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for his perfect package. 
Inside, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Think of it as a cornucopia for his balls and body. Manscaped has been busy and just launched their refined body wash and two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner. Both feature the Manscaped signature scent and will help the man in your life unlock ultimate confidence this year. His body and boys will be oh so fresh and so clean when he starts off his self-care routine with the ultimate body wash, shampoo, and conditioner. Even the ladies will be in love with the new product line. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PWSS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code PWSS20 at manscaped.com. Get him the best gift of all from Manscaped. His balls will thank you. Yeah, so before we switch then to the Packers' offense, I thought this was interesting. Jacob asked me this, and I'm curious your thoughts. Um, He said, if you had to give out three awards or who's been the most impactful three players on the defensive side of the ball, who would you say? Which is really hard, right? Because you could argue that like seven or eight guys are deserving of one of those three spots. Campbell, Kenny, and Rashawn Gary. Okay. Um, I think I don't – that's not to discredit the secondary because I think that – you could have Amos in that rotation as well. But I just think that what the front has been able to do against teams has made the secondary's job just that much easier. Um, And that's not to say that they're not going up against, you know, some of the best wide receivers in the league because they have been. But, you know, when you have as much pressure as they've been putting on quarterbacks, it just makes everything like trickle down effect much simpler. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's really a testament to, to the way that some of the guys have stepped up, especially in the front, you know, you're obviously missing Zadarius Smith. Dean Lowry is probably having his best season as a Packer. TJ Slayton has been playing some meaningful snaps. Even Tyler Lancaster is like doing his one role really well. So when Kenny has that kind of help on the interior, he can just wreck games, which is, I think what we've kind of seen, especially these last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been really impressive. I mean, the Packers are, I think, sixth in the league right now in total defense, um, and they're playing like it. They, they really are. They're playing like a top 10 defense, um, a defense that you don't necessarily want to go up against. And it's a very in- abnormal, I'd say, feeling where the defense gets on the field and you're like, I feel incredibly confident that they're going to get the job done here. Yeah, and I think it's weird, too, because we keep saying, and I think it will still, but we keep saying, like, the Packers offense, you know, if they just come around or if they could just do X, Y, Z, you know, to be more productive. It's weird that they're they're statistically in the bottom half of the league right now in points for. They're 19th, obviously, 32 teams. But, you know, if, if they could even get into, like, the top 10, I feel like this team is just unstoppable. And I thought it was funny. Aaron Rodgers, after the game, you know, had said, like, I'm not ready to call us a defensive team just yet you know because they've always kind of had the offensive identity but you know everybody's noticing it and everybody's been impressed by it even you know your three-time MVP who is used to the team kind of succeeding through his arm exactly and I mean now that you've mentioned it right I think the Packers do have an opportunity on offense this week it's a common opponent which I think always is helpful in game planning because LaFleur knows this Vikings defense well at this point, and he's beaten them except for one time in his entire career. So he has the pieces on offense to kind of move the ball against them. And the Vikings have some serious injuries to contend with as well, right? Daniil Hunter is on IR. Michael Pierce is on IR. 
Um, Anthony Barr is questionable, as is Brashad Breland. So they're, while they do still have right Eric Hendricks and Cameron Dantzler, Xavier Woods, et cetera, out there, Harrison Smith is coming back this week. Um, Patrick Peterson is coming back this week, although, uh, of course, questionable when you've missed as much time as both of them have. Um, I do think that between A.J. Dillon and Devontae Adams and the other wide receivers and, of course, having Aaron Rodgers, like the Packers can move the ball here. Yeah. And, you know, I think even with some of those guys you mentioned coming back, like Harrison Smith, you know, it could be part of the reason that they've given up some big plays this year. But the Vikings defense is not doing very well against stud wide receivers so far. They're giving up some significant points each week. Uh, Jamar Chase had five receptions for 101 yards. One of them was a 50 yard long. Rondale Moore in Arizona had 114 yards in a score. His long was 77 yards against um, the Cowboys. They had two receivers go for 100 yards, and then their third receiver had a long of 73 yards. So they're giving up really explosive plays, and we know, obviously, the Packers, that's kind of been missing from the offense this season. So do you think that's their opportunity this week is to try to get a couple of explosive plays going with MVS? I've been feeling like that's been coming. Like, right, MVS missed some time, but Rodgers was trying to hit him early on in the season. They did hit on a 41-yard bomb to MVS against Seattle. So I do hope that they're starting to game plan that in. My only qualm with the with the kind of major big splash plays is just timing. I yeah. found that like the timing of when they're called or when Rodgers chooses to call them at the line, whatever, whomever is calling for those plays, just feels off to me. Like in that moment, you wish that they would just move the chains versus take that shot play. But I do think you're right that in this game, there's a huge opportunity to um, you know, hit some of those big plays that we just have not seen from Rodgers to his receivers this year. Yeah, and you know, part of it is because it's a common opponent. But Devontae Adams has more touchdowns against the Vikings than any other team in the league. Last uh, last year, <laughs> I know, even though it was a loss, um, obviously at Lambeau in November last year, he had all three of the team's touchdowns. So he just historically performs really well against the Vikings. So whether it's Devontae or MVS or you know, we've seen Randall Cobb have some big games. I do think that this is a big opportunity for the passing game. And that's not to discredit AJ Dillon, which I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, the offense is going to kind of funnel through him in the run game this week, but I think the receivers are going to be in for a big day. I hope so. We haven't seen a game like that um, yet really this season. And I'm fine. I am more than fine with running the ball down people's throats and holding on to that time of possession and just dominating the field in that way. But Devontae Adams, it feels like he's due for a big game, you know, he was out, he's been a little rusty. They both have with their connection. So I think Devonta Adams is due for an over hundred yard game. Um, and I also think that this is the perfect game for AJ Dillon, right? Not the greatest defensive line right now in the world. Um, and I guess besides Eric Hendricks as being like a really, really physical and fast inside linebacker, I think AJ Dillon can kind of get to that second level pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm really excited to see a friend of the show, Patrick Taylor as well in his RB two role. My only qualm with all of that is that he said he'd come back on the show once he did his first Lambo leap and the game is not at Lambo. So we might have to wait another couple of weeks before he has the option or the opportunity to do a Lambo leap. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) question for you on the offensive line, because I was looking today, of course, at the matchup, and it's 
it's pretty glaring at this point that the weakest link right now on the offensive line is Royce Newman. Um, yeah. And that's not a knock by any means. He's of course a rookie and there are rookie growing pains and he's been thrown into a very serious and intense starting role that not all rookies are sometimes equipped to handle. So do you think that there's any room for shuffling or are the Packers going to trot out the same starting five that they have the last couple of weeks? I think, um, you know, and it could be a positive and a negative, like the Packer way is to let them grow through it. So I think it'll stay the same, but I have been wondering that if they wouldn't be better suited to try Yash at left tackle and move Elton Jenkins back to either center or left guard. And then you can use either Lucas Patrick or John Runyon Jr. at the right guard spot. But I mean, Royce Newman technically beat both of them for that right guard spot out of training camp. So they clearly liked enough of what they saw from him to feel confident putting him there. For sure. And I I don't necessarily hate the the grow through it because I think that the only way you're going to get better is through live game snaps. Um, But I do think that just some of the protections around Aaron Rodgers and especially some of the run game protections just really haven't been there. And we're trying to preserve our almost 38 year old quarterback here through, you know, the remainder of the season. And as we're seeing, they have an extra game. There's potentially an extra playoff game. You know, you hope the Packers are not in the wild card, but potentially an extra game there. So it's two extra games. Like the health of this team is like kind of first and foremost in my mind right now. Um, and you need you need that protection around him. I mean, these injuries are really starting to pile up. Yeah, and I mean, I've I said on Pack a Day that I thought maybe David Bakhtiari would play, but the longer this kind of lasts, and the more we're able to hear from Matt Lafleur, I'm kind of starting to think that he's not going back till after the bye. I agree. It's disappointing until I remember that he tore his ACL on New Year's Eve. Like this yeah. is a bear, this is less than a year now, right? 10 and a half months since tearing your ACL, a very, very serious injury with a very intense rehab process to get back. The fact that he's healthy enough and they think he can play at all this season is, is a miracle, right? Cause he basically tore his ACL in the off season. Um, right. So I would so much rather, and I think the Packers are this way as well. They've always been more conservative when it comes to, to injuries is just sit him out. It's, what two more games he gets three weeks rest in that and then after the bye for the really you know most important stretch of the season to have him back will be um I think much more important especially if he I don't know I'm reading between the lines no one has said this but it seems like he's had a setback in his rehab and you don't want that to happen again once he's back in the game yeah and I mean honestly it wouldn't be that surprising we're into what week 11 you know the bye week is week 13 at that point, do you consider just kind of keeping him, depending on how the offensive line looks? I mean, if the offensive line is playing terribly, then, you know, he's going to want to get back out there. They're going to want him to get back out there. But if you are able to hold up against some of these really good edge rushers that they've got coming up, you know, do you really want David Bakhtiari's first game to be against the Browns and Miles Garrett? Like, maybe <laughs> there's maybe there's something to be said about them waiting until, you know, either the very tail end of the season, let him get some reps against the Lions in Week 18 when it maybe doesn't matter as much, and just keep him really fresh for the playoffs. My counter to that, I don't necessarily disagree, but my counter to that would be, I think the first game or two, right. All pro David Bakhtiari is not going to be who shows up for the first couple of weeks. Like he's going to need some ramp up time. And while yes, of course, going up against miles Garrett is not 
necessarily best case scenario for his first game, but every team is going to have a number one edge rusher for David Bakhtiari to go up against. And I would rather him have had a few games under his belt before the playoffs than him working through that coming back growing pain during the playoffs. Yeah. That makes There's sense. not really a right answer. I'm right. sure the Packers will find some kind of happy medium. I did read, and I don't remember who reported it out, so I'm sorry, but that Adam Stevich mentioned like maybe a potential rotation and keeping him on a snap count when he does come back, which I think is a very interesting idea. Yeah. Um, don't hate it, especially if it, again, gets him those live reps without putting too much strain on his knee. So we'll see what they do. Yeah, I'd wonder at that point. That's, you know, I've been thinking about that's one of the few positions that you don't really rotate ever. Right. So to be on a snap count, I mean, I would imagine then they'd want the rest of the offensive line to be consistent. You wouldn't have Jenkins as your left tackle. So maybe Yash comes in and then they put Bakhtiari in for some. I don't know. I'd be really curious to see kind of what that looks like or what their best five would be with him rotating. Me too. It's a very interesting concept that I'm not sure I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone's going to do it, it's going to be Adam Stanovich. So. Shrug. Mm-hmm. Um, what else about this game that intrigues you, offense or defense? Um, honestly, it's special teams. I know that wasn't one of the options you gave, but just there's something's got to give. I mean, I talked about right. this on our Twitch recap. You know, it it's sad when you're at the game live and they get into, you know, field goal range and you're like, oh, I don't trust this. I'd rather them go for it on fourth and long. Like that's, that shouldn't be happening. That's never been the case with, with Mason Crosby. And I know a lot of it isn't him. It's the operation in general, but like, this is the thing you have to fix before the playoffs because it could come down to a field goal. And we, I mean, we saw him make it against San Fran. So there were opportunities, obviously the Bengals game was fluky, but they did end up winning that game. Those were two games that if you don't get those operations fixed, you're looking at a team that's six and four right now. It's so crazy to think about when you put it in that perspective. I agree. I thought the return game was a little bit better against Seattle. Um, you saw Malik Taylor and Amari Rogers out there. Um, I was a little skeptical about, you know, Mo Drayton being insisting, you know, that Amari Rogers stay in there, but I think he's probably right. And same with the offensive line, right? Like you grow through the live reps, um, just no mistakes. I think that that's all mad. Just no mistakes, clean game on special teams, um, I'm most intrigued to see if Rashawn Gary ends up playing in this game. I have uh, I see like both sides to the argument to play or not to play. Uh, I think, of course, this pass rush unit is not nearly as good without him. Um, and I think with Garrett Bradbury playing, there's a really nice opportunity for the Packers to again beat up on this offensive line. But I also would not would same with the David Bakhtiari argument I would hate to see Rashawn get in there and make the injury worse and then be out for much longer because that's again the player that the Packers are going to need for the rest of the season yeah absolutely and I mean I think it's the same with AJ or with uh, Aaron Jones as well you know they said one to two weeks there's I don't think there's any way he comes back until after the bye because if he's especially because he's had MCL injuries in the past I think he's had two or three since entering the NFL. So if it's something that he could potentially re-injure or make worse, knowing the way that the Packers are, they'll keep him on the bench until that, that December stretch. 
Right. And the next two games before the bye are tough. Like these schedulers did not mess around with <laughs> no favors. schedule, right? Like Vikings away, Rams at home. And I know the Rams are not the Rams the first half of the season right now, but they're still the Rams and they still Baron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So And now Von Miller. And now Von Miller. Thank <laughs> you for <laughs> so I agree if there's a risk for longer term injury to some of these guys, just just get to the bye. Like they're already so beat up. Like they're, I tweeted this out and I mean it wholeheartedly. Like they are literally limping towards the bye week. And you can tell in the this week of practice that Matt LaFleur really tried to rotate in some rest time for them, doing a lot of practices, you know, above the shoulders, if so to speak, mental game. And I appreciate a lot from him that he did that, but they just keep, I feel like every game somebody keeps going down. Especially because I think, I mean, except for the Vikings, you know, the the Rams are on a bye this week. So they're coming to Lambeau well-rested. I think the Chiefs were on their bye right before the Packers came to town. Seattle might've been the same way. So you know, we're getting really well-rested teams coming up against a Packers team that you know, knock on wood to try and counteract it is basically losing a player a game at this point. So just, you know, you have to hope at some point they start getting guys back instead of continuously losing them. Right. You're right. And I mean, not to belabor the point, but Rams are not only coming off a bye, but coming off their worst loss of the season to a division opponent. Like they're going to be, we're going to, we should expect some angry runs from Daryl Henderson is really what I'm saying. Um, (laughs) I was thinking about some like X factors in this Vikings game. We used to do this last season and yeah. um, we haven't really brought it back, but there are a couple, a couple X factors happening in this game that could be really interesting. Uh, I know we saw Rogers kind of chew out Josiah DeGuara a bit on the field and it's never fun, right. To see that happen, but learning moment, teaching moment, I'd love to see if him and Josiah can get on the same page to have a bit more, activity in the tight end game that could be really interesting and a wrinkle that I'm not sure the Vikings would be able to prepare for yeah I mean I remember last season we were all hyped on Josiah DeGuara because he had that really cool wheel route and we were like man if it was any inside linebacker in the NFL that wasn't Eric Eric Hendricks like then probably would have had a really big completion but because Eric Hendricks is one of the speediest inside linebackers in the league that didn't pan out so yeah he's a big one um and then I think Patrick Taylor kind of just is a really fun little potential X factor because he's getting high praise from, you know, not only his teammates, but from some of the analysts we've seen on Twitter talking about how he's kind of an under the radar you know, addition to the offense. I agree. Um, I think too, you know, there's a strong possibility here that Eric Stokes matches up very well with Justin Jefferson yeah. and kind of takes him out. And I think that if that happens at any level, um, it's safe to say from the way he's played this season that he can and will do that. I think that changes the entire game when you take Justin Jefferson out of the equation. I know Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook are still there, but I mean, that's, that's Kirk's guy right now. Yeah. And I mean, just the, we've seen him, you know, with Terry McLaurin and Jamar Chase, and there are the growing pains that come with it, but you know, they did a really good job last week with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to the point that DK Metcalf was throwing shoes and grabbing face masks and getting ejected from the game. So I think there's the mental side of it too, right? Where if you just are glued to these guys, which Eric Stokes has been really good at, they're going to get frustrated. And I'm thinking, you know, if Kirk Cousins throws one, he still is Kirk Cousins at the end of the day. And he's been playing really, really well, but there's a chance he's going to throw one up in the air. 
And, you know, we Adrian Amos was on another level against Seattle. And if he has that kind of game against the Vikings, I think the turnovers are just, you know, the, the biggest factor always. I'm so glad you brought that up because the Packers, I think, are tied for fifth in the league right now in the tur- in turnovers. They've had already more than they did in the entire 2020 season. So the ball hawking is there. And you're right. Kirk Cousins has been known to kind of lob up a questionable <laughs> ball or two and against this Packers defense like they very much could pick that off um, turnover battle is always always one of those things that will end up winning games yeah any uh any final thoughts before we do score predictions and uh game picks no I'm just excited I feel like the Packers have barely had their divisional matchup so far this season and those yeah. are always really fun and really tough and really like quality indicators of how this team is going to fare, you know? So I'm looking forward to seeing this one. I would not be surprised if, if they dropped it though. I'm, I'm prepared for a really close game. Yeah. I mean, I think the Packers are the better team on paper. You know, I'd like their roster top to bottom better. The defense is playing so well. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're just so banged up that, you, you know, it's, it's a divisional game. Matt LaFleur has obviously been really good so far. He's 13 and one, but the Vikings gave him one at home last year that I don't think many people were expecting. So yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. What is your score prediction? Actually, I actually think this is going to be a high scoring one. I know that we haven't seen the Packers play in higher scoring games, but I'm thinking like a 31, 28 Packers win. Interesting. Okay. See, I've been guessing way too high. Like last week against Seattle, I had 31-17, which, you know, that was a doozy. But uh, I said 24-20 is mine. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring just because I think there's going to be a lot of ground and pound. I think there's going to be a lot of yardage, honestly, but I just, both defense have, have been pretty good in the red zone this year. And I just, or, you know, stopping teams before they get to the red zone, I should say. So. Yeah. And the Packers have not been very good as an offense in the red zone. Mm hmm all right, well, we'll see. Um, I did bet the over, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so the rest of the NFL this week, I think there are some really interesting games. Um, we obviously saw the Patriots kind of wall up the Falcons on Thursday night. Um, but wait, so you have the Packers winning, actually, before I move on? Yes. Okay, cool. So we both picked the Packers. Um, another divisional game, of course, is the Ravens bears. Um, the Ravens are heading up to soldier field. I see the Ravens absolutely dominating this one. Yeah. Especially after dropping one of the dolphins, they're going to be like, what the hell was that? And they're going to write the ship. I agree. Um, Colts bills, I think should be like the game of the weekend in my book. Um, really, really tough AFC matchup. I mean, the AFC is like totally up for grabs right now. Um, I hate to say this because I have so many friends who are Bills fans, but I actually see the Colts pulling one out here. Interesting, because I, I think it's going to be a one-score game. Um, I'm with you. It's going to be a really good close game. I wish the Packers weren't playing at the same time so I could just keep Red Zone on because I feel like that one would be uh, in there quite a bit. But I think because the Bills are at home, I'm going to give them the edge here. Nice. Then we've got your... Husbands, Brownies versus the Lions. Browns are at home. This feels like a very easy win for them, but we might get to see Tim Boyle. Yeah, and I mean, it's a short week for the Lions. They've got this game at noon, and then they obviously are going to be playing on Thanksgiving. So I think it might just be too much for them, even though they did have their very first tie and not loss uh, last week. (laughs) Lions. (laughs) Um, 
Washington Panthers. This one is obviously the Ron Rivera Bowl. Um, we might get to see Cam Newton as a starter for the Panthers. What year is it? Um, I'm giving the edge to the Panthers this game. Me too. I think there's something about him being back where there's so much juice. And I love Ron Rivera um, as a coach. I don't know if, you know, Cam Newton and him left on the most ideal terms. So there might be a little bit of an edge there going into that game. A little bit of added juice for Cam. A little attitude. Um, Texans, Titans feels like a very easy win for the Titans at home. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) Same with Niners at Jaguars. Niners are coming off one of the best games I've watched this entire season, to be honest. Um, don't even care that I bet on the Rams. It was amazing to watch the Niners just destroy them. And so I think they ride this momentum and beat a very bad Jaguars team. Yeah. And I mean, they're a team that's again, like we mentioned with the Vikings in contention for a wild card spot. So, you know, beating the Rams is going to do a lot for them momentum wise, kind of carrying them into the back half. I agree. I agree. Um, AFC East, Dolphins, Jets here in New York at Meadowlands. Gross. Um, We'll not be watching this game. Um, I don't even know. I think think, Joe Flacco is starting. I I think I'm going to take the Dolphins because of their win last week against the Ravens. I don't know if it's going to give them any type of juice, but it's just a gross game. I'm not interested. (laughs) Yeah, same. I'll go Dolphins as well with you. Um, Saints Eagles, another kind of weird wonky game. These two teams are just, I don't even know who they are this season. Um, I might give the edge to the Eagles just cause they're home and Jalen hurts is playing really well. Okay. I'm going to take the saints on this one just because I think that, uh, Trevor Simeon is getting comfortable and he's starting to like his wide receivers, even though I don't think many people could list them if they didn't play fantasy football. <laughs> that's how bad the wide receiver cores are depleted. Right? <laughs> um, Bengals, Raiders, Bengals travel to Las Vegas. Um, I love this game. I'm so glad it's at 4.05 because, sorry, 3.05 if you're in central time. Because <laughs> um, I'm really excited to watch it. I'm going Bengals all the way. Same. They need to bounce back in a big way. They are just sliding right now. Game of the week, Cowboys, Chiefs. Whew. I don't even, I actually don't know. That's going to be such a good game. I'm taking the Cowboys, I think. Okay, I'll take the Chiefs at home. I think that the Chiefs had a really, really necessary win against the Raiders, and they might be sort of riding that. And Arrowhead's just a really tough place to play. Isn't it weird, though, that the Chiefs are 6-4? and four? Like, I just feel like, I almost feel like they should be like 4-6 and six right now. They've but just the had some really, talking about them. yeah, and some really weird games they've played in. Yeah, I mean the Pats. We watched the Pats last night. The Pats are six, they were six and four last night. Now they're seven and four. I mean, if you think about it in my head, like are those two teams equal? Yeah, I guess so. Um, last couple games here: Cardinals, Seahawks is a really big one for the NFC West. Um, have to take the Cardinals. Yeah, obviously rooting for the Seahawks, which is gross, but thinking <laughs> it's the Cardinals. <laughs> Um, Steelers, Chargers, Chargers need a win in a really big way. So I'm feeling like the Chargers finally get one at home. I think so too. I think, you know, dropping one to the Vikings at home is going to, they have to respond to that. And the Steelers, I think are just kind of hanging on for dear life in the AFC North. They really are. I mean, they're in there by a thread, I think. Um, I don't even know if big Ben's going to play. It could be. Mason Rudolph. So gross. Gross. All right. Monday night, 
Giants head to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I I would be hard-pressed to imagine that the Giants walk out of Tampa Bay with win. I agree. I, I don't. Do we know if there's a Manning cast? Because I love watching Eli talk about uh, the Giants. So I hope so. That would be fun. I Even though so. I think it's the Bucks. Um, cool. So that is it for us. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein at Maggie J Loney PWSS podcast on Twitter. Pax what she said on Twitch and Instagram. Um, we will be back on. Monday with our Twitch live. Uh, and yeah, go pack go. Go pack go. And Jones out in front. They're trying to chase him down. He's inside the 10 and he is in for the touchdown. The title is.